The Bedroom Producing Podcast, Season 1, Episode 3. Welcome to the Bedroom Producing Podcast. If you're a bedroom producer and you want to release tracks, perfect your workflow, or explore a new creative process, then this is the podcast for you. Today's guest is producer and artist Viv from Dortmund, Germany. Viv and I take a deep dive on creative process, producing dreamy vibes, and releasing music for a compilation album with a purpose. Well, Viv, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for coming. Yeah. So um, before we get into some of your projects and your creative process, I would love to hear just a little bit about your musical background and what led you to become a bedroom producer. Wow, that great question. Probably going to be a while, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to summarize a lot of it. A lot of it. Um, well, I started with the guitar at around, I think I was about 12 years old. And learning the guitar on your own, with, back then, we had no internet, you know, no YouTube. Nobody's teaching you how to, no, no tutorials, you know. So you have to either learn on your own or you go to music school for this and I my family wasn't really doing too well financially so we couldn't really afford like I couldn't really afford going to music school or guitar school for that matter so uh learn on my own (laughs) it was really difficult um especially the guitar is difficult because string instruments they hurt a lot right oh yes first started learning yeah and as a kid even worse I would I'm, I'm not exactly you know, big in stature. So my fingers are small and the classical guitar that the neck is pretty huge for my size. So yes. I was struggling a lot, especially with the bar chords. It was, I was in a lot of pain. I remember crying a lot, but I didn't really want to give up <laughs> because uh, I, I always loved a good challenge. And I always believed that um, if you don't give up, then you eventually can achieve your goal. It's just a matter of time. That's so true. So I just kept on I just kept on pushing through. It was just like every time I have something like a free time after school, no homework. It was just like me and the guitar, me and the guitar, me and the guitar. And eventually I got quite good at it. And um, people at school started noticing and people started asking me if I want to be in a band with them. And that's kind of how I got the ball rolling, so to speak. So did did you play in some bands? Yeah, I did. Um, A couple of bands, actually. The first one being a, uh, I don't know, alternative rock, punk kind of band. <laughs> because at the time, uh, those bands were pretty popular. Like, I don't know, like Muse or like No Doubt, you know, all the 90s grunge music. Yeah. Love so all we, that stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. good stuff, good music, a good time to be alive and start learning music. So, uh, yeah, my first band was that. The second band were was more of a rock metal rock kind of thing i was like basically i was just experimenting like i was just like come at me i'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. learn all these different genres but eventually um because uh the, the, my first guitar was a classical guitar i um i started taking uh, the interest in learning classical music or classical guitar yeah eventually uh I had enough money to go to a classical guitar school, which I did for about a year and a half, almost two years. Uh, I completed the whole thing. And um, so, yeah, as you can see, a lot of things. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of of genres. And yeah, um, so you had a lot of exposure and you learned how to play the instruments. And then what led you to the path of becoming this bedroom producer? So, how did that transition begin? Um, So, um, I was following this artist uh, named Hikaru Utada. Uh, she is a Japanese American who who debuted when she was like fourteen or something, and her debut single is the best selling single in Japan, like in history. So uh, I knew of her already, like when she got famous, and then she made a like a couple of soundtracks for the game Kingdom King, Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it's it. Pretty popular. And I was such a big gamer, like a vid gamer, played every day. If it's not music or guitar, 
then I would be, you know, just playing video games with my brothers. Um, so I heard, I finished the game Kingdom Hearts and I heard the soundtrack. I was like, who, who made this? It's so different, so unique, just so, I don't know. It kind of made me feel like, oh, it's, it's so connected to the story. It fits so well to the ending of the game. And um, at that time, I was already very interested in game music. So um, I... I did my research and found out, oh, it's Utada, Hikaru Utada who, who made the song. And then I kind of followed her. She had a blog and she wrote almost every day about how she made everything on her own. So that song, she composed it, she produced it. She, you know, she played piano, she sang on it. And for me, that's very inspiring um, that someone that young could achieve, like could, could make something so beautiful on her own. So it kind of made me realize that, oh, okay, so I can play music. Maybe I can start making my own stuff instead of like, um, if you're, if you stay a lot, a lot, like a long time in the classical music world, you tend to feel like improvisation is frowned upon. Um, it's kind of like the opposite of jazz music. If mm, you're in jazz, you're, you're, you know, you're always pushed to like, oh, can you do a better solo than that guy? You know, it's always right. about improv, improv, improv. And that is something that I did for at the end of my, I think the last year of music, classical guitar school, I did a lot of improv and my teachers were not very fond of that. So then I kind of realized, oh, maybe I should not pursue this and try something else, like some other genres other than classical music, like jazz, for example. So I got into jazz right after that. And then at the same time, this whole interest in uh, video game music and and this artist, uh, Hikaru Utada, just kind of like overlap. And just, it was a no-brainer for me to jump into music production just because it, it really made sense for me at the time to um, figure out if I have the talent in that or if I enjoy doing that. So that's kind of how, how it started. Yeah, 100%. No, that's a great story. There's so much awesome soundtrack music out there. I have to go listen to that when I finish now, because, uh, you know, there's so many great video game artists and composers. I really love Nobo. I don't know if I'm saying his name, right. Yeah. Nobo Umatsu from the final fantasy, final fantasy series. Yeah. Um, Jesper kid is another one. I think he did, uh, assassin's creed. Uh, there's so much good music in video game soundtracks. It's, it's such a really high bar too. It's really well done. Yeah. Okay. So you started off as classical music background, ended up getting into jazz, got inspired by some of the video game stuff and decided, okay, I'm going to start learning to be a better producer. And then you studied with Point Blank, right? I studied in point, with Point Blank okay. a couple of years ago. Um, but that's like, I don't know, I guess from the point that I decided I want to be a bedroom producer, it took me around more than a decade to finally like decide, oh, maybe I should learn like in a more conventional way, like by going back to school. So I found out about the, the, the amazing uh, programs at Point Blank and was just like, okay, let's just try it and see what happens. Because there's only so much you can learn on your own, actually. Like you can read a lot, a lot of books and watch so many different kinds of uh, YouTube tutorials about producing, but there's always something you can learn from people who do it for a living, like teach music for a living. And that's kind of like the thing that I was looking for at Point Blank, I guess, that we would have this like one-on-one -on -one session and I could just like really privately like ask all these questions that have been bugging me and couldn't find it on the internet, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, having that mentorship and then also the community, Right, having that community around you, other people that are like-minded, I think those are really important things for any skill that you want to develop. Definitely. So, so you went to Point Blank, you studied there. Um, they do have amazing classes. I've, I've taken a few myself, and then you started releasing tracks. Can you tell me a little bit about your style of music? Like, how would you describe your style of music? Uh, yeah, um, this is, I think, always. A very difficult, uh, difficult question to answer for every artist or producer, I think. But if I really think about it, 
because when you make music you don't really uh think about oh i'm gonna make it like this you know sometimes you just like it flows out of you and it just becomes something and then the more you produce the more you make uh, music or make songs you start to realize oh there is something that's like a common denominator between all these songs that you produce even though they have they they have different genres but there's still that essence of what you when you make it that your touch basically so before this um like interview podcast uh i asked a couple of my closest friends like how would you describe my music and um And I have to agree with them. So I think my music uh, is pretty unique because it makes people feel like they're floating. Like there's a, there's actually one song that the working title is called Sway because I when I was making it, I I wanted to feel like I'm swaying with the trees because most yeah. of my music is very yeah. um, nature inspired. I combine like nature sounds or nature inspired sounds uh, with space sounds because they have The, the, they have something in common like where because you feel like you're dreaming you're you're floating i think trees swaying is also a little bit like that yeah and um another thing is uh, this is something i realized uh, recently because i i'm now producing for a couple of artists like I, i'm producing an album and the demos that i would get would be a very raw piano or just guitar and, and vocal but after i like you know they they sent it over to me and i make Uh, the 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 whole um, arrangement and production, it always ends up some sounding very beautiful and elegant in a way. Um, there's this touch of like dreaminess and, and elegance to it, but still very minimalistic. And that is something I didn't realize before. And I don't know. I guess that's just how I um, do music. When it comes to like layers, I don't really put a lot of uh, effort in like adding more. Because I believe that less is more. So most of the songs that I make, they're very minimalistic. Yeah, I think there's a lot of beauty in that. Actually, I, I like that about your tracks because there is a minimalism to it, but it draws you in. And one of the things that I really like about your music is that I think you set the mood very well. There's definitely a feeling when you listen to your music. I was actually talking to my fiance and I was, I was playing some of your music last night and she said, oh, it's very sensual. And I said, well, yes, it is. <laughs> oh, wow. Sensual. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I, can, I can see that. I think, I think what you said just now, I now, now I realize something else. The mood is there because whenever I make something, I just focus on that feeling first, like what I'm feeling on that day. Or it's never about like a concept. Okay, today I'm gonna make something jazzy with a BPM like this. This there's never. It's like a, when you go to music school, when they give you a brief, it's like you know five minutes long BPM like this. It's never like that for me. That's why I had to. I, I struggled a lot when I first started like the whole point blank thing because like what is this? This is this or orthodox way of making music like a like a factory, you know? Because I was always used to just like oh. Most of my melodies, by the way, they come to me in my dreams. And that's why it probably sounds dreamy. <laughs> so I hear the melodies in my dreams. I wake up and then depending on how I feel or the colors that I see when, when, when I hear these melodies, then I will make everything. But it's never planned. It's always something very magical to me. It's just like just flows out. And then it, you know, it flows out instantly. And it's never just like an eight bar loop. It's always like already a complete composition. I just need to finish it and then it's done. That's fantastic. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what, what do you think makes a, a good melody? Because you have some really compelling melodies in your work. Uh, wow. What makes a good melody? For me personally, a good melody would be something that is not too cliche. For example, if we're talking about like chord progressions, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to melody, but if we talk about chord progressions, we have the two, five, one thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's the standard uh, chord progression that R&B or jazz uh, musicians always use. You go from two, five, and then you go home to the one, right? But you can always make it very interesting, not too cliche, where you inverse the two into like, instead of playing a C of, I don't know, like a... C, E, and G, you can play E, G, C, for example. You can make it still make it very interesting. 
And from that approach, you can also apply it to melodies. If you want to go to a C, you can maybe not go straight away to the C. You can maybe play around with like different voicings or combine it with different scales and all that. But this question of like what makes a good melody is so subjective, right? For me, um, I never really think about um, if there is a formula for it or not. It's just that it shouldn't be too complicated. It kind of depends on the genre as well. But for me, at least, a good melody should not be too complicated. It should be relatable. And it shouldn't be something that is only enjoyable by people who understand music, for example. It should be simple, easy to listen to, but still not too cliche. Just like try to push the boundaries a little bit, like make them feel, oh, it sounds familiar, but I've never heard that before. Yeah. It should like have a balance of those two worlds, I guess. Yeah. That's a great explanation. And they just come to you in your sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, so as I wake up and I, I, I have to, I have to look for my phone and voice note. <laughs> but, and then just like sing, 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 and then turn it off and then go back to sleep. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I but, love that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's funny sometimes at work. Now, now I work at home, but when I was still going to the office, sometimes I would take a break after lunch, just like take a sh- short nap. No, wake up and like, oh, oh gosh, you know, I, I, I'm hearing something. I will go to the toilet and then just like record everything and then go back to work. You got an idea. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. These things just come. No, that's fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about about that creative process. Like you're just starting a new track, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sounds like when you're starting a new track, you've maybe got uh, some kind of pieces or bits that you've collected before you start it. But give me an idea of, you know, what it looks like when you finally sit down at the DAW. Well, uh, I, I, f- I feel like every time I open my Ableton, my, my DAW, it's always very daunting, like new, new project and you see a blank page. And you have all of these like the possibilities of um, choosing what sound do I want to choose today? What sound do I want to start with? There's like an immense collection of possibilities. And, and, and it's very, for me, it's very daunting, very overwhelming at times too. Like, okay. But now I tend to always start with a road or, or, or like uh, just like a simple piano sound. And um, I try to recreate the sounds that I'm hearing in my head, uh, just like maybe the melodies, or maybe even just sometimes just chords. And then record that. Not, don't think too much. Don't overanalyze. And after that, it's just, um, yeah, everything usually goes very fast. So once I already have the chord progression or the melody down, um, I would move over to like, I don't know, usually melodies with guitar because guitar is my main instrument. Um, but sometimes also I, I get both parts already from, from the piano, uh, sound. So I already got the chord progression and the melody. And then just for me, sound design is much more important than having like really complex melodies because to set an an atmosphere and ambiance of the sound uh, of the, of the track, you need to have an idea of what you want to achieve in terms of sound design. So yeah, I put actually a lot of emphasis in sound design like okay um if i if i want to make the listeners think that they're underwater what should i what should i put there what kind of um like foley's or effects do i use for example so these are probably the things that i spend most of my time with when it comes to um starting a new project yeah make the court make the melodies set the ambiance to be using sound design and then adding beats because, well, uh, in what I do right now, basically they, they contain a lot of beats, but a lot of drums yeah. make that fitting or interesting. But that's it, actually. It's actually quite uh, straightforward, quite simple. Yeah. Would, would you describe a lot of your music as down tempo? Some of it, yeah. But to be fair, I'm really bad with genres. If probably, uh, People would notice this when they look at my what, what I already released, my discography. The genre is very like mixed, not really clear what it is. It's like a little yeah. bit of jazz, a little bit of electronica, a little bit yeah. 
of a lot of things. And genre is imperfect as well, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially nowadays, where you get a lot of your influences like from everywhere. You have Spotify. You can hear everything at once.、Yeah. You know. So、uh, just because also of my background, I have classical music, I have jazz, I have R and B, I have like all these like different、uh, genres as my influence since I was very young. So it really you can it really reflects on how I approach music, where which you can say I don't really care about genre, which for me I think is a great thing, but is a really Difficult thing to to to、um, to accept once you get into like the whole music business thing, where people try to put you in boxes. Otherwise, they don't know how to promote you. Right. You know, you've had some success recently by being kind of incorporated into a playlist, right? And so that's something that I suppose matters if you're a music curator, right? But I agree. I it's hard for me to to categorize. Your music, I can't just put it into one genre,、mm-hmm. but I do think that you know, there's, like you said earlier, there's a certain sense of dreaminess to your、mm-hmm. music. You know, if I was gonna try to ballpark it for somebody that's never heard the sound, you know, it's it's very laid back.、Uh, it's definitely it's like it's something you can put on while you're at the office working. You know, it's very relaxing music. A lot of it. I do want to touch a little bit more about you said. You like to create dreamy sounds. You like to create natural sounds and spacey sounds. Can you think of any particular processes or synthesizers or plugins or anything that you like to use as some of your go-to tools for creating those kind of that atmosphere, that dreaminess? Yeah. So、um, I'm actually a big advocate、um, of using native plugins. Just because when I first started, like I said, not doing too well financially, so I didn't, I couldn't really afford all these fancy plugins、uh, that you see on the daily, like from Native Instruments or you know,、uh, Sound Toys. So、um, I really believed, and I'm, I still believe that you can make great music without fancy gear or fancy sounds or you know, fancy samples. So. For dreaminess,、uh, it's clearly quite obvious in how to do it. So Ableton 11 has this、um, re- new reverb called Hybrid Reverb, and it's very similar to the Valhalla DSP reverbs. It's just it has a collection of real places, like early reflections, everything that you need in a reverb, and I find that. I, I've been using it a lot to make really just like crazy sounds, like super space, super super wide, super、uh, echoey, super super dreamy. You know, so I usually a lot, use a lot of reverb, and then I would use a lot of granular texture using like pitch delay and all that to have that. So when it's delayed. When it comes back to you, it's pitched to like、uh, tw- like twelve、uh, octaves higher, for example. Then you have like this crazy movement. You can connect it to an LFO, an oscillator, and then move it around. And then you have like this. If you have like a just like a one sound, it becomes super sparkly just because it goes higher in octaves、mm-hmm. when it reflects back and forth. And then you can move it around with like some panning、uh, plugin. And then you have yeah, spacey sound. So this is grain delay. Is is that yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. using? Yeah, yeah, grain yeah,、delay. grain delay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the one. Yeah. Yeah, I need to play with that more. Yeah.、That's、so in, in grain delay, you can use it as a pitch delay where you you set the pitch, the amount of pitch、uh, that it needs to change to the sound that it's being reflected, and you can connect that to an oscillator so the pitch like、uh, changes with time. It's just a lot of fun, you know. Just something that I like about spacey sounds or dreamy sounds. It's chaotic. It's out of your control. It's like you just connect everything, and it's automatic. And that's why it sounds spacey. Because I think we we as humans think as space is something very random and wide, and you know, like magical. So I think that has something to do with that. Something that is out of your control. Something is chaotic and random. And Ableton,、um, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Ableton. Ableton changed my life. Way the way I produce because before this I was using other DAWs, 
But I find that with Ableton, you it's just so perfect to make these kind of sounds because they basically cater to uh, electronic musicians where they want people to break everything and make something out of it. And I love that. Yeah, I love that too. I love that too. That makes me want to open Ableton Live and play with the grain delay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as orchestration goes, you know, you you often have like a nice subtle bass. You work with strings a lot. You work with guitars a lot. You mentioned the Rhodes piano. Are these yeah. the ki- kind of instruments that you like to play with those granular sounds with? Um, yeah. So <clears throat> the string sounds that I use, re- like um, not that. Maybe I've released some of them. But lately, I've been using a lot of string sounds. That's true. I think it's part of my signature sound just because uh, I listen to a lot of classical music and also video game music from Nobue Uematsu, for example. Um, I played all the Final Fantasy uh, games, by the way. So I'm also a huge fan of Nobue Uematsu. I've played Uh, many of them in my time as well. So we (laughs) we have that, that nerd thing in common. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like... I mean, who, who? I mean, they're missing out. Those who haven't played the Final Fantasy games, you are missing out. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously. But yeah, the music was. Oh my God, was a big part of my childhood was his music in those games, and I absolutely love like his approach to arranging strings, and that had a big influence in how I uh, arrange my strings too. And um, that's why a a really close friend of mine uh, who I'm producing also for uh, her husband is a uh, uh, composer, a classical music composer, works every day with orchestras and and strings. And I always feel very intimidated when it comes to arranging strings, especially for my friend, because um, I, I told her, well, you could ask your husband to arrange strings. Like, why should you ask me? And then the way she says, it's different, Viv. It's different. The way you arrange strings and the way he arranges strings is two different things. He's a classical composer. He's a classical composer. Yeah. So in, the, the, in this album that I'm producing for, for her, there's one song that it's going to be two versions. So me with my strings and... And well, her husband's with his string arrangements. So it'll be just the same song, but arranged by two people, but they are based with like they're orchestra based. Cool. Because yeah, the interpretation is so different that you can't say one is better than the other. So that's why we decided to just put both of them in the album. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. I so, can't wait to hear that. What's yeah. do you have a name for this project? Uh, we haven't decided yet on the album title. Okay but in progress it's in progress uh i have a deadline for that for the the album it needs to be done before june okay um i'm almost done with it uh the problem is uh, i'm also the mixing and mastering engineer for the album so the production side is almost done but i still have a lot of work yes. to do for the whole mixing and mastering thing but yeah uh, hopefully it'll come out before the end of July, hopefully. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, we can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about mixing and mastering a little bit, if that's okay sure. with you. Sure. Yeah. You know, so you you have this uh, creative side, this you know producer side, and then you you have uh, mixing and mastering. What's your what's your mixing and mastering environment look like as a home producer? Um. Well, I I still don't have any analog gear. To like, for example, uh, compressors, analog compressors, or analog EQs. So most of the setup is like using uh, plugins from companies like uh, Waves or Slate Digital, or just any you know um, music software company out there. Yeah, when it comes to the workflow, it's pretty standard. I don't think there would be much of a difference, even if I had analog gear i think my workflow would still be the same do you mix on monitors or do you mix on headphones or you do both I, you go back i and do forth. both i do both, do both. Uh, this was a very controversial topic at point blank even uh because i took the whole like full complete program so there was a mixing class there um 
I asked this question, I think right at the beginning, because when I first started making music and I had no idea about music, like, like a decade ago, I didn't have studio monitors. I didn't, I don't have all these, these things, you know? So I only had my computer and my headphones. So I asked uh, my professor there saying, Hey, do you think it's possible to mix just with headphones? Because I've been doing it for quite a while. And I, I have to say, it's not that bad actually. And then uh, he said, actually back then I would say I would, I would, when you asked me this like 20 years ago, I would say, no, are you, are you kidding me? Of course you can't. But now just because of how advanced we have now the headphones that we have, uh, the quality that they're producing, they, they're, they're manufacturing these and it's, definitely possible to mix with headphones and i completely agree i completely agree that you can solely use your headphones to mix but i find that after investing a little bit in like you know proper studio monitors proper having like a proper studio with like you know um, acoustic foams here and there i have to say it's a great thing if you can have both because there's the balance a lot of people nowadays they listen to music in their when they're working, when they're studying in the library, in the room, they want to don't want to disturb anybody else. They're going to mainly be listening to your music with headphones. So it makes sense to know how does the mix sounds with headphones first and foremost. But then again, there will be other instances where they listen to the car in the car in their car or with their hi-fi system. So it's also very important to know how it sounds, how it will be perceived using monitors. So I think my answer would be a balance of both yeah for now yeah. yeah do you have any recommendations for acoustic treatment for your room are, are there any specific uh, brands or anything that you'd like to use uh no not really uh for me it was just identifying the problem in the room i think that's the most important one like what's your room mode like in what frequency my room mode for example i found out it's like 129 hertz so and where is that exactly? If it's like 129, that means like it's in the corners or in the in the middle of the uh, of the wall. Um, so uh, after you identify the problem, then invest a little bit in bass traps and just like yeah. common things. But I don't really have a specific recommendation for brands or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the for the gearheads out there, what kind of monitors and headphones are you working with? So right now I'm using a Audio Technica ATH M50X. That's pretty standard, I think, nowadays. And my monitors are from JBL uh, LSR Mark II, I think. Yeah. So I'd like to talk with you a little bit about just some of the challenges that you might mm-hmm. face as a bedroom producer. What do you think are some of the challenges that you face? Good question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, I think the biggest challenge for me, at least personally, was my self-doubt. Because when you're a bedroom producer, you're on your own all the time. The music making process is a very solitary one where you just focus on yourself and you, when you, you're not even sure. Is, does this sound good to like, other people or is it just myself? And so I had to like really um, change my mindset of how I see music production just because I kept on doubting myself. I had like the reason why I made music in the first place, I really wanted to like release music is because uh, growing up, um, I had a lot of issues with anxiety and insomnia. And um, I started making music that would help me fall asleep you know lots of like lullabies and all that so that's why one of the first uh tracks that i put out uh, called juna pedi something that i've written when i was 15 it was basically a a very um repeating um piano pattern that would kind of serenade you to sleep yeah i made all these lullabies and i had them all in my hard drive for years i never really had the courage to put it out just because I doubt that anybody would enjoy this. Um, But the coronavirus pandemic happened and I realized maybe if I release this now, it could help other people too, because it really definitely helped me in the past. So I had to 
finally come to terms with like, you know what, let's just not doubt yourself anymore because nothing good would ever come out of it. And just like, just, just have a little bit of courage and a little bit of confidence. You've I've gone through so much and just like put it out there into the world for the world to, to hear. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. I mean, like now I've, I'm, I'm so grateful. Like it, it's doing really well. So I say that the, my biggest challenge for me personally is just me doubting myself. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you overcame that challenge and started releasing music, Bev. Yeah, so thank don't, you so Don't much. stop and, and don't, don't <laughs> doubt yourself because you're on a great path. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so what about, uh, what about the challenge of being an artist and, and balancing that with, with work? How do you deal with that? How do you make the time in your life to do this with everything else wow yeah this is a hard one but it's such a such a good question because when i first started last year i started in a very chaotic chaotic time where um we were not sure if we we could even keep our jobs right so um out of that i just had this mindset of you know what if we're gonna lose our jobs might as well do the things that we love and that's why i started putting out music but then we i didn't like thankfully i didn't lose my job my day job so and then i had to figure out how to do this like oh artists okay you make music you spend a little bit of time and then i didn't know that after you finish music and then you release it you still have to promote it and that takes a lot of time a lot of learning how the business works a lot of um, communicating with people in the community and curators and whatnot. And they, that takes up like most of my weekend. And um, I, at the beginning, it was just work and uh, artist life. There's no life, <laughs> social life for me. But thankfully, uh, as time went by, now, now that everything is like kind of settled in, like, oh, people already know me, you know, like, I don't need to like, big labels to like listen to my music for example they know me okay yeah I, we've seen your work you know i will make time for you so now it gets a little bit easier i don't really spend a lot of time in this like promoting cycle or like music business thing it's more about just me having a nine to five job like usual have a little bit of time on the weekend and then the rest of it was it's just music like completely so that's awesome i think um weekends are very important uh, for me because that's the only time I could have social, like my really personal life stuff. But at the same time, if nothing big is happening right right now, like we are in lockdown in Germany right now, so we can't really go out or anything. So uh, my social life is not not really practically non-existent, but I still make time to talk to my friends, talk to my partner, and uh, yeah, talk to other artists. It doesn't have to always be about music, right? So is always um, trying to make time to not always think about music as like, oh, I have to do this. Otherwise, you know, I have to release something. It's, it's really easy to get into that mindset, I find. But now I realize like you have to sometimes take it easy and then just take a step, step back and just like evaluate if this is what you want, like the balance that you want. So, yeah, uh, right now I have a good balance, but it was a really long journey. Yeah. Finally realized that, okay, this balance works, but it's all about trial and error. Everybody has a different balance. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you're working, you work pretty regular work hours. So you can kind of bookend that with music if you want to, and then maybe get some block time on the weekends as well. Pretty consistently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 After work at night, sometimes I finish uh, my music work stuff. Um, and on the weekend when I, when I'm productive during the week, also for music, then on the weekend, I was just like, no music, just focus on like chilling, watching Netflix or grabbing a drink somewhere. Yeah. 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 I need to aspire to get a more regular work-life balance for sure. <laughs> so I can yeah. block out more time to play with that pitch delay, that grain delay and Ableton. Yeah. Grain delay is awesome. <laughs> 
I love I love granular synthesis. It's so interesting. You can really yeah, go down same. a rabbit hole with it too, and just yeah, play yeah, and explore. Definitely. I think the granulator or like grain grain delays or granular synthesizers. It's a little bit um, similar to when you play modular synthesizers. I don't know if you're familiar with them. A little bit, a little yeah, bit. That's, that's like, a rabbit hole. I I can't really let myself go down like financially and time-wise. <laughs> yeah, not a great idea. Every time I go to a music store and I see a, a huge rack, I'm like, I can't. It just but calls I, to I, you, doesn't it? It yeah, calls like, to I'm, you. I'm already holding the cables. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I can't. I can't resist. <laughs> and I see the price tag. Oh, damn. No, okay. don't, don't do <laughs> no. it. Oh, yeah. I always tell myself if I uh, if I get really good at the native instruments uh, modular that's like in the box that maybe maybe oh, I'll let myself yeah, buy yeah, a real yeah. one someday right. but I need to I need to like go down that rabbit hole first. Well, so. What is it? A reactor, right? Reactor. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. I right? spent hours on it. Yeah, so yeah. much fun. Yeah, that one will get you. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> like, uh, I usually play around with reactor when I'm traveling uh, on the plane, and I've spent like five hours. Like, okay, reactor time. They <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, make new sounds. Like, cre- try out like different sound design techniques and all that. So cool. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Well, and I think that's a great thing playing with modular synthesizers. Just to remember to hit the record button. Hit the record button. It, you know, and you can yeah, chop right. that stuff up and you've got a bunch yeah. of cool samples to work with yeah. afterwards, right? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's like um what that's why I, that's why I like synthesizers in general. I have a simple one right here from Cork. It's the monologue. Uh sometimes I would just make patches when I'm traveling. I would just bring it because it's pretty small and you can use battery as the power source. So I would make patches and make like uh it has a the built-in sequencer, so 16 steps. And just when you make a sequence and then when I get home, I just like connect it to my audio interface and then just like play all the patch and just like record everything and then, then chop it up. And then you can put it yeah. into Ableton session view and then mix and match everything. Oh, so much fun. Love that. <laughs> Love that. What a great tip. What a yeah. great tip. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, you can. That's that's the way to do it. Just that have that sense of experimentation and play with what you're doing and then just to be able to capture that and then arrange that later. That's so much yeah, fun. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I need to start wrapping up before I keep you too long here, but I do want to talk real quick about a couple of your projects that you've been successful with lately. Um, you, one of your projects was there's a track called deep blue mm-hmm. and the album that it's a compilation album called Save Our World by Tsunami Sounds. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, this year uh, in particular, because last year I was releasing songs on my own independently. So this year I wanted to do something a little bit different where um, I start submitting to labels that I really like that I had multiple conversations with in the past and tsunami sounds was one of them i really love their vision and their mission and how they're always pro artists and they're always uh, like trying to help um like organizations such as like this for climate change they're also doing a bunch of other things so when they announced this project, it really spoke to me just because my music is really nature inspired and I respect nature so much, uh, which is why climate change is something I'm very passionate about. Like, I really think that we have to still talk about it, even though it's so obvious it's happening, but not a lot of people uh, actually try to do something about it. It's, 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 um, it's pretty concerning for me. So um, I made this track very quickly, actually. The idea came to me like like a storm. And uh, I played, basically, I started with the roads, this, this, the one that uh, you hear in the track at the very beginning. And then it kind of reminded me, reminded me of waves. So I added like layers of guitar, right? It's all one take, by the way. <clears throat> all one take for all the wow. melody guitars. Or the layers. So I always start with a visual, either a color or a visual. The visual was climate change, in my opinion, 
It's like we are, we humans are willingly walking towards the ocean, just like drowning ourselves, basically. And in the song, what I see, I am already neck deep in the ocean. And the, the waves are already getting stronger. And so the current is getting stronger. That's why if you notice the mix, actually, it's not, a, it's not like a really clear mix. The mix is very quite muddy. So it kind of feels like you're constantly underwater. So um, the guitars and everything, I want them to feel like they're underwater. They're like, there's something coming, like an impending doom that's coming. And that's like, that's how I arranged the, the, the track. Uh, when it comes to like in the breakdown section in the middle, there's like a huge wave that comes and then you suddenly like dives into the water and then now the mix becomes very, very like submerged basically in water. And then you have this like drums and everything and it becomes very intense. And I want to the listeners to uh, have a little bit of hope that if you realize that, oh, this could happen, like everything can become submerged and you can lose everything. You can st still not too late to do something and then just like rise back up. And that's why, in the later section of the song, you like there's like a there's like a sound that that when when you hear when someone like goes back up like above the water, and then the music becomes like a little bit more hopeful with the strings and everything. It looks still very intense, very dramatic. But um, I I hope that when people listen to it, there's like a little like a sense of hope to it. Um, so yeah, I yeah. made that in an instant actually, very quick. I think not even, not even two hours. Um, and I was so, so drained emotionally after finishing that. Um, but I felt, I felt like as if like a little, like a piece of my soul I put there, <laughs> I put into that track and then I sent it to Tsunami Sounds because I find that it's very fitting to uh, the, 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 the concept of, of that project. The next day, that the next morning, that's not even like 12 hours, the owner of the label reached out to me, Viv, listen to Deep Blue, you're in. Ah. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love the track because that's exactly what, what the, con the, the project is all about. So they were nice enough to even make the track, the star track for their band camp release. And I was really, wow. really, really honored that uh yeah that they really loved the track that they understood what what i was uh going for and i i just had a really uh, a great time working with uh tsunami sounds they're just so respectful and they really the like the other artists in the compilation i i the, when it came out i listened to everything everybody it was phenomenal like did like an amazing job in like interpreting what they feel was right for the project so yeah yeah it's a it's a really cool album uh listeners i hope you'll check it out uh save our world by tsunami sounds uh, again biv's track is deep blue and you know one of the things i really did love and you mentioned it is you wanted to give kind of the sounds of being underwater and that's what it feels like to me when you listen to that track yeah do you remember anything about like the guitar processing or anything you did in particular to kind of give it that feel um, yeah, so um, I think the trick is quite simple. Uh, when you're underwater, you don't really hear high frequency noise or high frequency sounds. So mm -hmm. you just focus on, you just filter that most of it out, yeah. basically. Yeah. And then uh, to add a little bit of sense of dreaminess, like, because in water, you hear everything. I, I, I call it quite dreamy, but maybe not the right term. So in order to achieve that submerged underwater sound, I added a, a chorus that I got from Arturia, I think, a, a free one. Mm. Um, it's based from the Juno series, the synthesizer. So I put a tiny bit of chorus, a tiny bit of like um, appropriate revert, reverb and delay to add uh, space and depth. But yeah, that's basically it. Just like filter out the high frequencies and try to focus on the mid frequencies of the body of the sound. Fantastic. Then, voila. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic tips. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other project I want to ask you about real quick before I let yeah. you go. Mm -hmm. You had a release recently called T-Rose. Can you tell me about that one? So a uh, funny thing, um, T-Rose and Deep Blue, they're made on the same day. Really? 
Yeah. Wow. So that's impressive, Viv. <laughs> yeah, they're I'm jealous of- thinking about how long it takes me to write a song. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're made on the same day because uh, Deep Blue. Even though I actually made it with the intention of sending out to tsunami sounds, I sent it also to a friend um, uh, who goes by the artist name of uh, Nobody, and he absolutely loved it. He wanted to work on it. But I felt very strongly about that track that I should release it f- uh, under Tsunami Sounds for that project that I said, you know what, uh, I, 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 I really appreciate, I really, you know, I'm so grateful that you also like the, uh, like Deep Blue, like the song, because I, I, I absolutely love Deep Blue. Um, but I still want to work with you. Let me make us another song with something uh, similar to that, with uh, maybe a more um positive i guess um feeling but similar to that so that's why after i recorded the main ideas the 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 demo for deep blue i made t rose on the same day i think it was like i took a break for an hour and i started uh, a new project uh with a piano but still having that leftover feeling uh or like leftover creativity from making deep blue and out came t rose wow what a what a creative force you are (laughs) yeah well sometimes you get lucky sometimes uh you have a day where you're super productive and um yeah you you can create more than one song but yeah it's all about luck for me which is not good because sometimes your luck runs out and you don't you have like these days where you don't hear anything you don't create anything but um luckily till now at least i i still have ideas and i still can create at least like once a week so yeah and i think what's that's wonderful because what's an important takeaway from that is that you knew that you were in that kind of flow state on that day you were in a creative zone right yeah and instead of just letting it go you decided to capture it yeah. And you got this whole other track out of it, basically. So I think yeah. that's the important takeaway from it is, hey, when you're on a roll, don't don't forget to hit record. Don't forget to, to organize yeah. and keep your work, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And develop it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Just um, one or two more quick questions. I'll let you go, sure. Dev. So sure. for for folks out there that maybe kind of start a track, but then they get kind of stuck in a rut. Uh, what, what do you like to do to break out when you're stuck? Mm. Sounds like this is not much of a problem for you. <laughs> so maybe it's a bad question, but, but I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. But I, um, I know this is a common problem because I see it all the time in YouTube videos, how to break that eight bar loop, right? Yeah. Um, Yes, you're right. I don't really have this problem just because of how I approach music or music making and composition is a little bit different. You mm-hmm. know, like I said, I already have like a vision for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been moments where I only have a tiny vision and I don't know how to make the intro. I don't know how to mm-hmm. continue. But um, I think I have I owe all of it to Ableton again, just because uh, Ableton has two views. One is the arrangement view. One is the other one is session view. In the arrangement view, I find that you can easily get stuck in this eight bar loop mentality. But whenever that happens, I usually just go over to session view, take that loop, put it in one of the clips, make click rec- like record another clip different doesn't don't don't overthink too much just create anything different doesn't have to be in the same instrument rack it could be uh, a beat a different pattern beat pattern something different whatever keep creating keep creating keep creating new clips and then at the end mix and match everything and see if there's something if you hear anything oh that's interesting i didn't know you can connect these two record that if that's what you like, great. If you don't like it, you can chop it up. You can put it in a, in a simpler. And if you have a push controller, controller, you can do this easily. If you don't, you can just like use your MIDI controller, your computer, computer computer keyboard. Use a simpler, chop it up, see if you see a, like if you hear anything interesting, if something that you like, 
record that and then you can you know rinse and repeat basically that's an awesome awesome tip so yeah for someone who doesn't get stuck that's a pro tip right there then, <laughs> <laughs> i mean like uh you always need to i th- i think a lot of the problems that producers face um is they overthink a lot like they doubt a lot of their own ideas is, 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 is that is that is going to is that going to sound any good or this idea is it stupid or not just like don't don't think about it to me just record it it's okay don't don't be scared just it's you're not losing anything by recording you know so yeah. that's kind of like my mentality just like click push that you know record button see what happens and um, if nothing comes out of it at least you had fun yeah. isn't that the whole point having yes. fun yes yes yeah. i love that i love that yeah yeah can you recommend any favorite books, YouTube channels, classes, um, anything along those lines for bedroom producers? Um, I think uh, one that comes to mind, a lot of people probably already know this, Andrew Huang. Um, oh, yeah. 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 Andrew Huang makes great videos for uh, not only beginners, but like intermediate, sometimes even advanced producers. Um I, I I especially like his um, pro, for producers one sample um, video yes, series. Yes, yes, they're so, really good. Just because um, I don't really need the beginner stuff like music theory. I already you know went to school for that. Um, but I enjoy seeing music through the lens of other producers because they can flip a sample and so and interpret it in so many different ways. And uh, in in those video series, they also explain how they do things. And I learn a lot from that. So that's something I recommend a lot of people watch. And also, uh, no, you you can go ahead. It's okay. No, no. I was just going to say, I I love his videos too. Yeah, I've I've learned a lot from watching them too. Yeah, Andrew Hong. And uh, yeah, I I would aspire to have Andrew Hong on the podcast someday if he would come on. So he's, he's, he's amazing. So, definitely possible you're gonna have aspirations and dreams right <laughs> yeah of course like positive <laughs> affirmations all yeah. the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> um another youtuber i can recommend is bad snacks she is an amazing violinist hip-hop bedroom p- producer also interesting cool. uh, mix because she has she has been playing violin since she was very small so a classical violinist going into the lo-fi uh, hip-hop world now like a electronic music producer also so her videos is always very transparent she's always very honest about everything like how much she earns and how she does things and from very a very small channel to now pretty huge so i sometimes um uh, go to youtube to check out like what she you know just she usually updates us about like her latest projects and the latest techniques that she she learned from other people and uh in the community so yeah really good place to get knowledge what's what's the name again bad snacks Bad, bad snacks, snacks like like yeah. i like i ate a bad potato bad chip yeah bad exactly okay. exactly okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> i think no, she said the origin of the name was she was in a studio and she was hungry and um a friend was like you don't have any snacks with you oh i have some a bag of carrots from last night oh like bad snacks oh bad snacks okay. uh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of like oh that's funny love it i love it yeah 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 <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, Viv, it has been an absolute pleasure having the chance to speak with you today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, where can people find you and your music online? Um, they can find me everywhere on every major streaming platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, etc. cetera. Um, my artist name is VIV with spaces uh, in between the alphabets. But if they want to connect with me, I'm also 
on social media. So viv- vivify music because I vivify music. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, on Twitter, on Instagram, vivify music. So anybody looking to connect with me, collab with me, talk to me about music production or asking me about tips because I also organize and teach uh, college students or just random strangers on the internet about mixing mastering. I would love to have a chat with with you. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope we can find some people for you. So Vivify Music. Yeah, Vivify Music. Got it. Exactly. Love it. Awesome. Viv, yeah. thanks again. Thanks so much for coming today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast talking to you, Chip. That was so good. Such a great conversation talking with Viv. Every time I talk with her, I feel like I get like just a little bit smarter or become like just a little bit of a better producer just from being around her. I love that she's just such an incredibly hard worker and it really shows in her music and her output and she's just so creative. So really inspiring to be around her. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. As always, please subscribe if you liked it. And also head over to the website for show notes, uh, links to things that we talked about in the show and also the bedroom producer reading list. Until next time, my name is Chip, and this is the Bedroom Producing Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Bedroom Producing Podcast. For more content like this, visit bedroomproducing.com.